episode of Basketball Fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some Minnesota hoops. Even the Gophers won, for Christ's sake. Buzzer beater, trauma-filled. We'll close, you know, this, the, the show with a segment on the Gophers. Great news, bad news type week. But the Timberwolves, the Timber Puffs, like some people call them, the T-Wolves, we were we were going to be happy with two and one. Like, man, that would be great. That would be phenomenal. We both kind of thought, ah, one and two based off how we've been playing, coming off, you know, three game losing streak where all three were winnable. Should have won two out of three. But man, they come right back on the road to at Clippers, at Lakers, at Sackman. Three game winning streak. And, you know, we go from, like, 9 to 6 overnight uh, in the standings. And as we know, you can go to 6 to 10 pretty damn quick, too. So um, we're going to talk it all the way through. And just kind of, you know, does seem like Conley's starting to get his group together, you know, offensively. The bench has been stepping up. We're going to talk a little bit about Alexander Walker and how all of a sudden we got to start talking about that piece in that trade. Because he is legit. Rudy and McDaniels had a great week. And, you know, kind of struggling. But, man, did he look like the man. Um, kind of like what the future's going to be like as far as overall production. Sackman, he, he had a damn good game. Making all the right decisions. whole lot of stuff we'll talk about with 16 games remaining. We do see that uh, Cat is out of the boot. So that's a positive. Anytime you get the boot off, that's that's a positive because, you know, you got to keep that boot on. And then, of course, we'll preview the next three games, home games, Philly, Brooklyn, and then at Atlanta. If this is your first time listening to the Living and Loser Bill podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope dope and download the show there. It's available in a whole lot of spots. Um, under the Rope Dope Radio Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Player FM, tune in. Um, we do have a Spricker page under Living in Loserville. It's also available on Spotify. Um, a whole lot of other places, too. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com and Sports News 24. One more thing. you got to get your t- TV together without the hassle of cable. Stream the best entertainment and sports, start, starting with 75 live channels. For a limited time, only save $120 and just killing this thing, and not in a good way. Over the first year, with any package, and buy the direct TV streaming device, no annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus learn how to get premium channels included in the first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up today, direct TV stream. All right, let's bring in the co-host, Aaron. How are you doing on this fine day, sir? Um, what do you know? The Timberwolves went 3-0. and Yeah, we did not see that coming. We kept asking for consistency seemed to be the theme word of the last podcast. And I don't know if three games makes consistency. But we were surprised about, you know, I thought we'd get one of those games and we'd be happy about it. Um, just because you're on the road, they're tough teams, um, and you managed to win all three. 
Um, I thought the Sacramento game was uh, probably the most impressive uh, for my taste, uh, just because they're a challenging team to play. They're up and down the floor. They're fast. You got to play defense somewhat. I mean, the score was pretty high, but yeah, I mean, it was just shocking. Now, you know, these are the type of things that you, you say to yourself, well, you know, they're three good teams. You beat three good teams. What about the bad teams that you're supposed to beat? And, you know, that's, that's for next week, I guess, but for this week, it was shocking, and it was good to see. I thought Ant played really well. McDaniels, they all came together. Conley's kind of gluing this thing together, and it's good to see uh, some good road wins, uh, especially at this time of year. Yeah, and that's the thing about Stack when you start to look at who you'd be matched up with in the first round that we got to make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just giving us the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, we, we know it's still with 16 games left. There's plenty of trouble to get into. Um, but there's, you know, plenty of positives too. But sack number one offense with a bullet. Um, but their defense is in the 20s. It's not that good efficiency-wise. So you look at that team, you go, well, hmm. Um, beyond their two stars, nobody really kills us per se. So that's kind of an interesting matchup. And, and like you said, there, there was, it was kind of weird. We were, first of all, we were knocking down threes like crazy. Uh, somewhere in the, uh, early, uh, fourth quarter, we had already, I think had 19 of them or something like that. I think four, four of them were Alexander Walker. I mean, everybody went crazy from three in that one. Um, pretty much anyway. And started out crazy. I think he was like two of eight, but everything else, <laughs> he looked really good. Um, Sabonis got a fifth fall late in that game. I think it was with the nine-minute mark. You're looking at a seven-point lead. Then we pushed it to ten. Um, and then they went on a run. Uh, Sack did, and we kind of, you know, we're jacking threes, kind of settling. It kind of felt like, uh-oh, here's this fourth quarter stuff, you know. But then the Timberwolves, you know, push it up to six again with uh, right around four, you know, four or five minutes to play. So it was kind of up and down with some of the possessions, but Ant, most of the game, was very aggressive in trying falls going right at him. He made one of the best contact end ones I think he's had in his career. Usually it's like, how did he make that layup or that last Euro step to go you know, around that guy? He just juked him out. This one was contact, and as, you know, as he progressed as a player, got to keep saying hey it's only 21 for the rest of the year no matter how deep we go in the playoffs um going to contact but not barreling people over man he had it going in that end one um when we really needed it that pull up uh mid-range pull up that made it i think 136 132 with 32 seconds left the assist without the turnovers and just had it going on and just in general I kind of like that matchup, but like you said, being where they're at in the standings, and they've been pretty much glued, you know, in that spot there, second, third, fourth, right in that, you know, that realm for quite some time. I kind of like the matchup um, in a seven-game series, but like you said, I think that was probably the most, uh, you know, impressive. And now we do, not that it matters, we do have the series, uh, the season series, two to one on them. But the Clippers game, we'll talk about, too, especially the fourth quarter, we now have, and that means a little bit more just based off the, the seedings, right? We now have the two-to-one advantage in this series with the Clippers, something that I think they had beaten us 11 out of the last 14 times. 
Um, and that was with their full team, too, not like last year without uh, Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I was on mute there. I have a tendency to do that. The, uh, you know, the Clipper matchup's interesting because you rarely see Kawhi. And then when you do see Kawhi, it's like, okay, well, that's a different squad. And when you have George and Kawhi, obviously that's a, a little bit tougher matchup, but it seems to be like we handle it pretty well. I don't know how, if, you know, Kawhi's back a hundred or maybe 70, 80%. But in that game, it seemed like we kind of got the best of him. He did get a little bit, but. You know, Ant, I think, matches up, so I think that sort of, uh, you know, evens it out. But, um, you know, the Clippers are still a tough draw. It's not like the old days when the Clippers were, you know, a terrible team. They're they're pretty good now. And uh, I, I just, you know, I thought it was impressive that you – that kind of kicked off the road trip. You kind of had to have that one because the other two looked daunting. And to come out on top of that one um, really set the tone for the rest of it. Uh, in, in hindsight, because, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, but, um, with the Lakers and, and, uh, but, you know, it worked out well in their favor. I thought defensively things are coming together a little bit more. I don't think it's what it was last year defensively. Um, although you do have Rudy, which is a different kind of dynamic, but I thought, you know, it was good enough to get you through that night. And, and the Clipper game was, was probably one of the, it was an eye-opener in the sense that I thought offensively they were a little more cohesive, Chris, and I think that kind of carried through the rest of the road trip. Um, Connolly's imprint, and I'm not saying it's it's all done yet, but I'm saying uh, it's starting to see uh, how that trade sort of might have been in the mind of, of the other Connolly. And uh, I liked it. Um, you know, I just wish Connolly, the point guard, was a few years younger. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't know if we would have gotten a trade there, too. So, yeah, you're right, though. That is – and who knows, man? Maybe – well, we'll talk it through a little bit, but maybe he can, you know, hang around and just be that vet that, you know, goes out at the, you know, maybe halfway through the first quarter, halfway through the third, and there's more playing time uh, for the youngsters. But he's still here being a presence. And uh, you're right. I mean, you know – offensively hasn't done so well, but the last two games, he's really come on, and a lot of that has to do with his floater. We already saw certain things as far as being, uh, you know, a true point guard, looking to, to spread the ball, you know, driving, kicking, doing all that good stuff, but his floater is now uh, falling, and that's something that, since he's been here anyway, it hasn't really looked all that good per se. Finch the other day was like, where's that floater that had me up at nights the last couple of years when we face you. I need that floater. And that's what we saw. And then when that thing falls, you know, the corner three, he's already been pretty good at corner three with us. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's nice to see him. And, and that also means less, and I know the media is not going to like it, but that also means less point guard ant. And we don't have to put all the damn pressure on ant to be the point guard out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see him going and, and talking about that fourth quarter. Once again, it kind of felt like something – I think it's seven straight games we've played in clutch games, meaning, you know, the clutch games, for those who don't know, it's a game when it hits the five-minute mark, it has to be within five uh, points and so in the fourth quarter, obviously. And so that's something we've been struggling with. We've been putting up these – 17, 19, 13 type fourth quarters. 
And it felt like that was going to be, you know, we had like a seven-point lead, six-point lead, um, and McDaniels had just a horrible turnover. Uh, Westbrook stripped Ann. Uh, McDaniels had another turnover. You know, we, we just – we had an air ball, but luckily Anderson was there to, to put it off the glass. Like, it just – it wasn't looking that good. You know, I was like, man, this is not working here. And um, slow-mo really came through in that game. Uh, same with McDaniels had 20 points. Uh, after a three, we actually stretched it to nine under three minutes. But they came back, made it a game. But I thought Westbrook hit this – Freaking turnaround three with great defense. Uh, but then, you know, so we kind of needed one more bucket. Ant had a little spin pass to slow-mo. Slow-mo dropped it off for the Rudy dunk, and that pretty much took care of business. And, you know, like I said, to be two-to-one on them, that, that stuff helps uh, when it comes to seeding and whatnot. And they're right there neck and neck with us. And, uh you know, if we're in that 7-8 with them, with Kawhi now, and Kawhi is 100%, they're still just being smart with them based off age and wanting them, both him and George, uh, to be there, you know, in April, May, and June. Uh, but they are super deep still. I mean, they have two starting lineups, basically. They have, like, 12 guys. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting how that goes. Uh, but I really like that win. I mean, they, they showed me a lot. And even in that Lakers game, it helped. We knew LeBron was going to play. Um, but then not having D'Lo as well. Um, so we had a lot of great – it's kind of been the theme for the week. Great bench production just in general. Um, and uh, Rudy played great in that game, I thought. Um, just in general. Like, we still had that, you know, getting stripped, over-dribbling, kind of funky down the stretch. Um, like Rudy had had this drive on Anthony Davis. It was like from outside the free throw line. It was like, what what are we doing here? Why why are we doing that play? Um, but overall, um, you know, I liked what I saw in that game just to get it done. And you know, Ann had kind of a rough game, but he also had um, you know, our guy Vando on him, and then you know, AD sitting there at the rim. So. Um, I did like how we closed that out. We needed, you know, Conley hit that huge three-pointer and the floater to push that thing to, like, 108, 102, I think it was, with a minute left. Um, So, yeah, some of the stuff that's been creeping up on us, we've, uh, you know, in these fourth quarters where we haven't closed that well lately, especially after the trade when we're still trying to figure it out, plus the not having Cat to be able to score like we had D'Lo at least. Um it, it it was just nice to kind of grind our way through it. None of the games were just beautiful in the fourth quarter, but we, we didn't let go of the rope, which is what a lot of people, Dane Moore, a couple other people always say that. We, 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 we just grinded it out, and that's what it's going to take, you know, coming down the stretch, because this thing's in the playoffs too, but it's it's a playoff atmosphere here now from here on out. Yeah, it really is, and I'm really glad you brought up that point about Ant and uh, in the Laker game, you're starting to see him be defended that way. They're trying to get him to shoot, which I don't know if that's the right way to go, but I guess if you have to pick your poise and let him get to the rim or let him shoot, you're probably going to want to let him shoot. And uh, he, he, like you said, he's been struggling a little bit. He's kind of working on his mid-range. They're going to force him to that a lot. His three's good for the most part. 
Um, but yeah, they're trying to close off the rim and it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts, uh, going forward because you know, that's a lot of his game. Chris is getting to the rim, collect fouls, um, you know, that type of thing. And if you can take that away from him, I guess that's what you have to do. So I guess it makes sense, but it's interesting to see it be implemented by other teams now. Like you said, he had, you know, Vando on him. And then when he gets to the rim, there's AD and he's going to see a lot of that stuff with different parts. Um, I don't think Sack was as bad because Sack plays a little bit different and they don't have the same personnel. But I think that uh, you're going to see more of that. And I think what he needs to do is hit the mid-range jumpers, hit the free throw line shots, you know, uh, whatever he can get in that mid-range until they start to, you know, respect that a little bit more and then he might open up again. But yeah, that was a big difference. And I think that's everybody said, well, Ant's struggling or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, there's a lot on that guy right now with Cat out. Um, being the number yep. one scorer uh, for this squad, I thought Anderson really picked up some slack too, and he's fun to watch. He's, I know why they call him slow mo now, because it just looks it just it's effective, but it looks slow, and I don't you know I don't know exactly what it is because it's not like he's moving slow. It's just his the way he does it. But yeah, he's really been a big part of it, and I think uh, McDaniel's continuing to rise too. But you know, Ant's going to be ant and you're going to, you know, he 27, I think the, uh, last night um, against God, I forgot sack and that, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. And I thought he had a pretty good game with the Lakers, but now he's got a, you know, spacing's a thing. And I think that's the thing they're all kind of getting together on Chris is like, um, you know, it's a different feel with Connolly and it's spacing and it's cuts to the basket and it's pick and roll. And it's, you know, do I go over the screen under the screen? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff that's kind of ironing itself out. And, uh, I mean, hopefully that's what we're seeing as a progression through a different sort of form of, uh, offense. I'm sure it's the same offense, but with different parts, it, it, it morphs a little bit. And I think that's what we're seeing. And, you know, Ant is, I think, you know, he's so young that he's going to figure out all the ways he's defended. And I'm glad they're throwing different things at him now so that he can get used to it and, and understand, uh, what to do in certain situations. And I thought, that Laker game was one of those situations where he had to kind of think on his feet and uh, play a different way. Yeah, I mean, this year they already, even when Cat and D'Lo, for that matter, were in the game, but especially when Cat went out even with D'Lo, they, they definitely were doubling them more. But usually what they do, we just take away, you know, just take away the, the drive as much as they could. But now they're running two guys out on them at the three-point line. Um, and making him give it up, and he's not giving up early enough. And that's the that's where he's going to have to do it. He's got this habit of letting it dribble, like dribbling until about eight seconds, under ten seconds of the shot clock. And a lot of the times he passes out of that. Um, so it's just about getting that, seeing the double team before it gets to you. Um, but they've been doing a good job of that. But yeah, it's it's definitely something that they're going to keep doing until. Um, you know, in games where he goes off once Cat comes back, then they'll probably do it. But overall, they just won't be able to do it, especially having a high-level defender. And if you look at, you know, the three games prior, scoring-wise, 19-18-12, but the turnovers 5-4-5. and five. And one of the games, or two of those games, he had less assists than turnovers. So, you know, making some uh, some errors or whatever. But I think the key is, Zero free throws in two out of those three games, too. And I know people go right to the whistle, and sure, we get it, but 
that's also on him too. He's got to be, you know, aggressive, but that's part of the, when you're getting attacked, when you're not used to getting attacked this early, it's hard to get to the rack and they want you to pass out. So you could see him kind of go through it in that fourth quarter all week, really, where he made some bad decisions, get the ball stolen, dribble off somebody, but then all of a sudden he, he recognized the next time down, get off the ball and end up getting the ball back. And sometimes coming off a screen or whatever, but I really thought he put most of it together uh, in that sack game, man. He definitely was kind of, you know, at the right times, and he just delivered in a lot of ways. And he didn't have as many, not even talking about his defense, he didn't have as many uh, off-ball issues, um, which is even in the Clippers game, there was probably like four of them in the first half, right? It's like, dude, that's, there's eight points right there. We, should, You know, it's just like mistakes uh, trying to go for the ball or whatever. But like you said, Rudy, the last, I mean, the last five games, six games, um, just production-wise, Rudy, not just, you know, defensively, the blocks are going up a little bit. Those can be a little bit misleading at times. But the last five games, 18.6, shooting 70%, 13 boards and two blocks. And like you said, McDaniels as well. I mean, he's been playing great. And, uh, you know, the defense, growth as a scorer slash shooter. His field goal percentage and his three-point at this time to have that field goal percentage and, and to have that three-point percentage and be a great defender. The guy's getting off the dribble, not just cutting anymore, because usually it'd be cuts and he gets to the, you know, to the bucket. But he's getting off the dribble, and you know, as we know, coming out of high school, he was like a top five guy. Some people thought he was the second best recruit, and a lot of that had to do with, you know, offense. He's got a great handle. He's really coming into his role, and uh, man, it, it's been fun. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about the bench as well. But, yeah, man, McDaniels, like I said, this we've said this a couple times now, Aaron. This offseason, he's going to get an extension, and a lot of people are going to scratch their head because they don't watch the Timberwolves. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, speaking about Rudy, going back to that is, Chris, when we talked this summer at the trade, we kind of envisioned this Rudy, you know, the around the basket, and I mean offensively. Um, around the basket, getting, you know, garbage this, bunny that, getting, you know, lobs and uh, offensive rebound putbacks and you know, dump downs into the post when you're, you know, two feet from the rim, that type of thing is what we kind of talked about when the trade went down. And we were wondering all season, you know, well, why isn't that happening? Now, I don't know. There's a lot of talk about D'Lo and Rudy and they didn't get along and all that stuff. I don't know if that's true. I don't know what the deal is with that. But all I know is that now we're starting to see him get those easy points um, around the basket. Um, with not, you know, He doesn't have to be the most athletic guy if he is as tall as he is and you put the ball in the right place. It's very easy for him to put the ball in the bucket. And that's kind of what you're seeing now with Connolly facilitating things and also the bench, I think, and maybe it's just everybody's getting used to each other and what everybody does best, but that's what I think more, with Rudy, man. It's such an adjustment. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's also what you want to see now to pay that much. Obviously we're not going to go down that whole thing for this kind of guy, blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, that's all water in the bridge. He's here. You got to get the best out of him. And I think this is the best we can expect offensively. Uh, from Rudy, and it's kind of what you could expect. It's his role to just kind of clean things up around the rim, help out, do that kind of stuff. And defensively, you're going to get what you get from him. 
mostly on a nightly basis. Um, and so offensively, you're looking for that 12, 14, 16 point nights where, you know, oh, look what I found. Here's a dunk, you know, oh, someone lobbed it up, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's what's happening now. And I'm glad to see it. And as far as McDaniels goes, I mean, that's just an ascending player. And I got to say that even I'm surprised at how, uh, how good he is at this point. And he's just a few years in kind of going neck and neck with Ant, um, as far as the years go. And, you know, he's long, you know, kind of reminds me, Chris, although I think he's a little longer than, you remember Sean Elliott from San Antonio? Uh, maybe yeah. Elliott was a better scorer so. as far as a shooter, but yeah. I mean, as far as three and D in, in today's, same, yeah, but as far as three and D in today's league, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, he can defend, he can shoot the three, uh, he can go to the rim, he can cut, he can do all those things that you said he can do. And it's not that he just can do them, it's that he is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a good point. He is doing that. Man. He's really coming into his own, man. It really has been awesome. We, we talked about some bench production where, you know, J-Mac, um, early in the year definitely struggled, got hurt then. And, and, you know, we were wondering, you know, is he, is he getting some rust off? He did have a game where he had nine points and gave really good minutes and another game where, you know, he, he had six assists. So we are starting to see some of that rust off. Now, obviously, I think he's shooting 23% from three. Yeah, I think he's 11 of 50 for the year. Um, so that that has to come up because it does – not that he has to be a 40% shooter, but it's kind of a head-scratcher, to be honest with you, because his first, like, year and a half here, he could shoot three. If you look at his numbers and just remembering it, not sure exactly what it is. Now, he plays a different role, I guess, a little bit, but um, with that energy – with that hustle on defense and just the speed of bringing the ball up the court, um, we're starting to see him, you know, get some of that rust off, and that definitely is going to be big. Man, you look at the last four or five games of Nas Reed off the bench, um, 18 points, eight boards, two steals, shooting 54% from the field. I mean, we've talked about Nas a lot, obviously, because why wouldn't you? But uh, the guy's been, you know, Really crucial for us, especially, you know, missing Cat for 50-plus games. Uh, so he had a, another great week. And Prince, having Prince, I mean, the production off the bench in general has been really, really solid. But Prince all year, you know, missing him for that stretch of time, it just, it, I mean, it really did affect us. It was like, wow, he's shooting 39%, almost 49%, 39% from the three, 84 yeah, 84% from free throw and almost 49%. And he'll take a charge. I think that's like the first thing he did when he came in uh, to la- two nights ago game. Um, he, he's just – he's really – it took him a little while last year uh, to kind of blend in. But ever since then, he's hit the ground running. And remember, he got hurt and didn't really play much in the playoffs. And that would have been a guy that would – I think God, I think it's like twenty four and eleven or something like that. Uh, twenty and eleven when he's playing or something like that. Um, so he's you know taking a charge, doing this, doing that, get hot from three. Of late, he hasn't even been that hot from three, but he's shown a whole lot. And then this Alexander Walker man. I mean, he's a guy that we're going to be able to control his contract next year. He's a free agent, but it's restricted, so. 
you know, we could get a, a feel of the market. Um, but this guy is a perfect fit, especially with Noel out with a little bit of an injury. Doesn't sound like he's going to come back. Uh, for tomorrow night's game, of course, Cat, but also Noel is out. Otherwise, I think uh, Rivers is kind of questionable. But um, this Walker, we got to – I mean, we got Conley. We got three second-rounders, um, which can be turned into something. But we got to bring this, you know – I know a lot of people like to, you know, call him Matt um, for his initials, but Alexander Walker has fit in just perfectly, super fast. He, you know, the guy's beyond quick-footed on defense. I mean, the guy can – he just moves so intensely with purpose, and he can pass the ball a little bit. He can, it gives us another ball handler. And for a guy that doesn't shoot a bunch of threes, he's not afraid to just put them up. And when when the time comes for him, you know, right now for, well, for the season, he's shooting 42% from three. We don't expect that to keep going or whatever, but the guy had 16 the other night, 10 and 13. He's knocking down shots. He's coming with energy. And like I said, his makeup speed is impressive. And that's something you need on defense to be able to gather and, okay, you got me off the dribble, but here I am right back at you. He's just a, uh, Kind of Jay Mackish a little bit with that energy and speed off the bench. He's fit right in, man. And I really hope we keep him around. And like I said, we gotta we gotta add him into this trade because it's 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 a damn good role player. Yeah, he was an afterthought to begin with because I didn't know much about him. I he was a first round pick a while ago, maybe a year ago. I don't remember exactly when, but um so I didn't think much of it, just sort of an afterthought in that deal. And, um, you know, like you said, he's long too, and he's quick, and that's what you need. Uh, I, I think offensively he's played very well. Um, and as a bench player, I mean, he's, you know, we talked about who's going to come in and J-Max out and who can cover these guard positions and uh, even slip over to the three at times, although it's kind of positionless basketball. Everybody keeps saying that, but um, – uh, he, he's been a pleasant surprise. I wanted to go back to your point, Chris, about uh, Prince, because, you know, my biggest thing about him is he doesn't turn the ball over. And, you know, I'd be interested to see a comparison to his turnovers and Noel's turnovers um, and, and where that – because I would assume that Noel would turn the ball over more than him. It just seemed that way. But maybe he's a little riskier player taking more shots. But it just seems like Prince is a little more stable – and I'm not, you know, saying that you got to have one or the other, but I'm just trying to compare them to each other um, and what they contribute. And I really think, like, I won't say safe, but it just seems like Prince tends to make the right decision a little more often, and you know, lets the game come to him a little bit more, in my opinion. And uh, that's good to see. And I've been impressed with him playing. And, and like the bench, we thought we were going to lose a lot of the bench when we, you know, jettisoned everybody off to Utah and then uh, off to LA, but. You know, Vando was nice, but there, you know, Nas has kind of picked up that slack a little bit. And, uh, you know, Beasley, well, we've got Noel to take care of that. So if you go player for player, you know, uh, maybe it's not such a uh, outlandish thing to move those guys. But, uh, you know, I really like Alexander Walker. I want to see kind of what he morphs into. I think at this point of the year, he's kind of just getting into fit in and, uh, and he's yeah. doing a good job of it. Um, but when you start to look at him as a piece, like let's say playoff time comes around, you probably get to see if knock on wood, if, if that comes to be, 
uh, what kind of piece he actually is. I think he's kind of a smaller McDaniels defensively where you can put him on yeah. either of the guard positions and feel okay about it. Um, and that allows, you know, mm-hmm. uh, McDaniels to go and roam on a, on a forward somewhere and give you them take a hard pressure off ant too. take pressure off ant. So, you know, these are different, you know, like I said, last year is kind of one of my themes was tools in the toolbox, but you start to collect these things and if they can stay consistent and find the rotation and roles right now. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was pretty confident we were a deep team because we added Anderson and we had guys like Noel who would, you know, we thought could, you know, be a, a, a six-man type Beasley. Obviously, Anderson's going to be our six-man. I mean, let's be honest. About it. You know, Anderson's our six-man when Cat gets back. And maybe in the future, he'll be in the starting lineup. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, the only guy I really look back and go, dang, is Bando. You know, and, and I wouldn't doubt in the coming years. You know, it's not necessarily a great fit for us because we were really small with him. But I wouldn't doubt in the coming years if, if, if he, you know, when his deal's done or maybe when he's got one year left or something like that, if, if, if he doesn't come back, come back home. No, but, um, you know, it, it, one thing is cool is now everybody's catching up like, oh, shit, people are watching Laker games. Damn, this dude's good. Like, I saw a bunch of breakdowns on him, you know. Like, man, this this dude really tries hard. And it's like, yeah, dude, you should have watched some games last year. The fucking guy is just an energized bunny. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're basically close just to answer your, your turnover thing with Prince and Noel. They're close uh, with turnovers, basically. However, um, you know, as a score, 40, almost 49% to 44.6, 48.7 from the field. So Prince is definitely there in the 39 to 29. You know, that, that's a huge difference from three. And just a bigger dude. You know, Noel, he's going to be a free agent as well. It is restricted. Um, so, you know, someone would have to really go for it. But, man, that is one of those things that we're – it's part of making the decision, a couple decisions that we had to make. You know, we ended up staying with Nas. We'll see if we keep him around. And then maybe in the coming years we trade him. Uh, maybe someone will give him some kind of contract that we're just like, hey, man, I'm happy for you type thing. We'll see. Noel is up against it, to be honest with you, um, because you already have Jay Mack coming off the bench, who, who has, you know, another year, um, you know, extra year on a contract, or two years, I should say. And then, uh, I mean, this Wa- Alexander Walker dude, like you said, I mean, he 6'5", super lanky, knows his role, and if, if you know, a lot of these media members talking about point ant, which I don't want to see till he's 25, 24. But hey, I mean, if we want to project a guy next to him as a three and D who can pass a little bit and also can dribble, bring the ball up, so ant doesn't have to do it. Even in that scenario of being a point guard, you wouldn't want ant bringing the damn ball up every time. Jordan didn't bring up the ball every time. A lot of these guys don't. So honestly, like Walker might. Be an ideal fit. Doesn't need a bunch of shots. Super long and lanky. And now that you really put that in perspective, we can put him on the best guard. And you're right. That adds, you know, that adds for McDaniels to be Roman or be on the second best guy. And then all of a sudden you got third. You could put, you know, uh, freaking Ant on the third best guard or small foot. Like all of a sudden you're like, damn. You know, and then you can match and mix and all that. But, 
I'm not trying to put too much on Alexander Walker. He's our new starting lineup. But if you look in the coming years, if we're looking for a piece there, because we know Conley's not, you know, going to be here forever, or at least in the starting lineup at a high level, and then, you know, Noel don't really want to see him as a starter. Um, and then J-Mac, I, th- I like his role where it's at. On the roster speaking, um, he might be the guy, man. He might be the guy. And, and let's see now, We like we talked about, we went from uh, nine to six in this week, coming off three losses in a row, win three in a row. And it's been a theme, Aaron, a lot of the year. Sure, we've had five and four game winning streaks. Uh, winning streaks. We've had five and six game losing streaks. But when you look at it, there's a lot of win three, lose three, win four, win, you know, that type of stuff. Um, and coming off that, our longest one was six in a row losses. We turned right back around and won four in a row and won do, 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 six out of seven, you know, then lost two, then won two, then, you know. So we've been doing that a lot, right? So now it's time to try to stand, try to hold ground and not sit there and, like, at this point, here we are, 16 games. Remember how we said we can't go three, four, five? We can't turn these into long. I don't think – I don't even know if we can go back-to-back losses, but back-to-back losses, and that's it. Two losses in a row is max now. We cannot have more than that. Um, so it will be interesting to see if we can just – you're not going to win all the games, but bring the same focus, you know, that you bring that we're going to probably have tomorrow – having two days off playing Philly, who's going to be playing. They're in a stretch of six to eight games like we were a couple weeks ago, and they're playing tonight. So, um, and Brooklyn's been playing pretty good, damn good. That trade, you know, worked out pretty good for them, you know, as far as their rebuild, kind of a competitive rebuild like the Vikes. But when you, you know, play Atlanta, when you play Chicago, when you play some of these teams, we got Atlanta twice in the next ten games. Let's see what kind of focus we're going to have and want to, because otherwise we're going to be a 9th, 10th seed before you know it. That's it, Chris. You nailed it. You know what I mean? We've been harping on this consistency thing, and you're right. They're tough opponents. You might not win, but I want to see I want to see you go at it. I want to see you continuing to develop uh, offensively, intensity on defense. I want to see you bring it. You know, you've got, like I said, 16 games left. You're in the thick of things as much as you you know, you've been, um, you, you have to continue to come out and play with purpose and to come home here with Philly and Brooklyn and to, you know, lay an egg for one of these games because you're home and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, people are not going to be happy about that. And, you know, I think a lot of them are expecting it, actually. You go on the road, you win three, they're great games, everybody gets hyped. But now we've kind of had this thing all year where it's like, yeah, we get hyped up, and then you you know go lose to Detroit or you, you lay an egg against Philly or some stuff thing like this. you can't lay any more eggs. There's no legs to egg, no more eggs uh, to lay at this point if you want to stay in it. Like you said, you can a two game streak will bring you right back down to ten, and you're out of it again. Um, so you have to be able to, you know, we want to see good effort. You want to see them come out and play well. And lose by a hair, or you know, you just weren't, you know, the effort has to be there, intensity has to be there. You prove that you want it, because right now that's what it boils down to: is who wants it. And you have to be a team that wants it. I mean, Phillies, I think it's a winnable game, Chris. Um, obviously, they're all winnable, but 
I mean, I think realistically you could you could beat Philadelphia. I think Brooklyn's a tough it's a tough matchup, but I, I thought Sack was a tough matchup too. So I mean, any night you can do it. Atlanta's, I think you can beat Atlanta. I, I'm going to go on a limb here, um, and make a little pick here. I, I think that, yeah, sort of just in my head, I kind of took the knee jerk out of it, and I'm like, okay, uh, let's get realistic here. Um, well, I, I think you go two and one. I'm just trying to figure out how you do it. I, I think you beat Philly, you, you lose to Brooklyn. And you go on the road and beat Atlanta. That's what I'm going with. I'm sticking with that. So I go two and one in the next three wins at Philly and Atlanta, and you drop a hopefully a close one to Brooklyn. Um, I have two one written down on my piece of paper. I'm right there with you. But the big emphasis is how are we going to play at Atlanta? I mean, mm. we know Ant's going to be showing up because he's from Atlanta, but. Every, how are we going to do that game? That's what I really want to see because there's been time and time again, you know, I remember we had like two or three days off that, you know, we'll beat Detroit. We got to play Detroit. There's no excuse. You got three days to practice. Boom, lose to Detroit. You know, like going down the stretch, I think we had two days off. We, we had a game where we won. Then we had a two days off and, and then we lose the last game right before the break. Have a week off, come back, lose to Charlotte. Like, dude, you had practice to focus on this one team, and you had nights off, so your your legs should be better. Funny enough, I guess we've played in so many of them, but we have one of the best records coming off of the second night off of back-to-back. But like I said, we did have so many of them. And we don't have a back-to-back for a little bit. We do close the season on a back-to-back. Um, but I'm right there with you, 2 and one and let's see what happens in Let's just fucking see it. And, you know, I really did – this would be a perfect game for Towns because Towns, last year, remember, he really rose up against Embiid. Uh, and it was like, yeah, we actually beat him earlier this year. Um, so – and that's where I thought, yeah, there's something different about Catfisher, man. This is – he's taking it to him, you know. Ever since he put Embiid in the headlock, he has been a little bit different of a cat. Yeah. Now, of course, there's some things of the foul stuff. Uh, hey, he cares. At least he cares. But, yeah, that's the uh, over-emotional cat where he gets some foul problems and he thinks he got screwed on a call, so he's just going to go be rough on the other end and be like, what? You, you allowed that? now? that's not how it works, unfortunately. But, yeah, I want to see that Atlanta game. It's like I said, I know Ant's going to be ready. He's from there, but are we going to be ready as a team? I just want to see him. I just want to see, you know, like, I don't know if I articulate it well enough, but just come out and play. Continue to progress in the way you've been playing for the last three games. If you lose, you lose. But I want to see, I want to see that everybody playing their roles, doing their thing, um, you know, not deviating from it, you know, doing those things that give you hope. And when you come down the stretch, you run into a bad team, well, you whip them, you know. Um, or you run into, there's not a lot of bad teams left, by the way. Um, you're kind of in the thick of it schedule wise and in the thick of it, uh, playoff contention wise. So, you know, this is a real testing time and you want to see them come through it at least, you know, knowing that, Hey, they gave it their best shot. And that's what I want to see in the, in the next three is give it your best shot. I don't want to see any you know, stinkers or, you know, anything like that where you come out and, you know, you're getting booed on your home court. I, I just don't want to see that. Yeah, I think we're tied. Or no, I think we're up 
I think we have the third best record in the – if you look at the top eight Western Conference team records against teams above 500, uh, we were tied with Dallas. I think we're actually 16-15 and 15 now, uh, which is the third best record um, over on the West. So, you know, it just kind of shows you how much we show up against, you know, the big boys. So good news, some good news. And some bad news when it comes to the Gophers and our Gophers segment. Now, they came down from, like, with 10, I think down 10 with, like, 60-some seconds left, 65 seconds left. Went nuts. Uh, Jameson battled, freaking hit the three. 12-game skid. Uh, it's the first home Big Ten win since last year, February 19th. Um, so, that's great, right? That's phenomenal. Um, also, the good news, and I might as well put some more good news on it, right? Next year, we did get Isaac Asuma, for now anyway. Um, he, well, if he's committing now after this year, I think he'll be in, in a little bit better. I think we got a chance there. But he's basically a top 50 recruit. He's a guard. Uh, you know, pretty big names like Iowa State, Xavier, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Butler even, um, UConn. I believe was in on him, so that that's a that's a nice recruit, uh, you know, coming off of our our bad news last week or last uh, year. Uh, God damn it, last week I said it right. I'm, I'm trying to look at something. I always do that when I when I I'm like paying attention to something. Anyway, the bad so we got a good recruit, you know, but the bad news is uh, it does sound like battle is going pro and. It's something that, this is the quote from Ben Johnson, is something we've known for a while. We've, we've been talking about that. Nothing is 100% final, um, but it does sound like he's going to go pro. And to me, that does sound like we were talking about it before we hit record. I don't know his family scenario um, and how much, you know, a sizable money right now would, would help his life. I don't, don't know that. But I'm assuming that's what it is because, um, not to say he couldn't go late in the first, but not too many people eye him as a – he's not a hands-down first-rounder, let's put it that way. Um, but, you know, more power to him. Hopefully we can keep uh, Cooper. But that allows us to now be transfer portal. And we got to bring in a guy, Aaron, much like Battle, who could come in and hit the ground running uh, next year because – We'd still bring back some veteran guys. We do have that Indian, and who knows about that Fox because he hasn't played yet. He's been hurt. Uh, we know Indian will give us something. That's for sure how much. We don't know, but he was blocking shots and hitting threes as a young, young, skinny player. So he might be pretty good. Like what the, you know, the freshman push has really stepped up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a blow, though. So we have to bring in someone pretty much equal as battle like we did two years ago with him, where his, you know, not freshman year, but his first year, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy can play. We're going to need to bring in a guy or two like that now that we, you know, we missed out on the prize recruit next year. And then battle, I just assume, was coming back with the veteran three is gone now, it seems. Yeah, I mean, you know, throughout this week, Chris, even though they had a nice win, I kind of went through with the battle news and with the loss of the recruit. 
that we talked about last week. Dennis Allen or Dennis something his name is. Um, he's dead to me. No, I'm just yeah, he's. I don't think no. Uh, but I come to the realization that this program is kind of on that razor's edge, fine line type of deal where it's like, okay, we're either gonna because you do have the freshmen and they haven't transferred, and you do have, you know, some optimism but then on the other side of the other, other side of that coin of the optimism is like okay man we're teetering on the brink here we haven't like you said won a big 10 game since last year uh you're gonna lose battle there's no huge recruit coming to save you um you're gonna have to dig into the transfer portal if you're gonna get anything out of there and, and what can you get with the record you have who wants to come here and do that um it's kind of on that it's kind of on that knife's edge of of like, well, it's either going to be, you know, a disaster or it's going to, something's going to have to flip it to the, to the optimistic side. And it's like, well, you know, with Waylon stepping down in whatever way that happened, kind of was a sobering look. And I said, well, look at the men's team and, and where that's at. And, you know, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're kind of putting all your eggs in the, you know, the freshman basket here, uh, because you're not getting any, doesn't like you're getting top freshmen coming in next year that can really make a major impact right away. So you are going to have to hit the portal and get something significant there. And how are you going to beat out in Iowa or, uh, you know, any other team that wants to come at that same, uh, portal guy? Uh, so you could be kind of stuck in this perpetual spiral of down. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see like when the season ends and, you start to look at next year, they got to make some pretty, at least one pretty big move, you would think, Chris, not just replacing battle, but, you know, you're going to have to find something to take a step forward because you can't really stay where you are and you can't really get worse. And so, and how hard is it going to be to find that step forward with the last two seasons that you just put out there? It's an interesting spot, Chris, it's, and it's going to be hard to figure out. I think it's going to make Ben Johnson – uh, fortunately or unfortunately here, uh, this off season. And, you know, it wasn't that way when you had the big recruit coming in, you thought, okay, well, they get this match it with that. You got this, it's gotta be good. You got the, you know, these other pieces coming in to kind of bolster the program, but now you're kind of in a, like uh, a need instead of a want and uh, desperation is not good when you, you know, got NIL and you got transfer and you got everything and you know, you can't tell who's going to stay on this squad come the end of the season. So, like I said, to wrap it all up, I just think it's in a really interesting spot and sort of on that teeter, it could go either way now. Um, and, you know, I just think you want it obviously to go uh, the positive way. But I think, you know, yeah, the rivers run downhill. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, you got to find a way to uh, change the current on this because I don't think it's going to be, uh, it's going to take some serious work to get this back into the, the optimistic and, and, and hope line, um, unless you're really going to count on these freshmen to really step up, Chris, and become, you know, top of the Big Ten scores, at least one of them. And, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have a top anyway. But, yeah, no, I hear you. And speaking of the river, right now we're in Lake Itasca up to our knees. We're not even in the Mississippi River yet. Uh, so you're right. It, it does go downhill. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. Henley, 6'7", shooting guard, really started coming on. Um, started to score, started to pass, started to just kind of get his groove on. 
Carrington was hurt for like seven or nine games or something like that. He had some decent minutes early, earlier and, and kind of late in the season. But like we've kind of said all year, Ola Joseph and, and Payne uh, are real deal players. I mean, Garcia, man, he, I mean, he played pretty good. You know, he's going to be our best player coming back. It sounds like he's staying. But, um, yeah, I mean, next year's huge. It's not like we're saying they got to be, you know, uh, sixth in the, you know, league. But it, it's got to go up. And, and the thing is, like, when you look at Northwestern, when you look at Penn State, it's very possible, you know. But I think you hit it on the nose there. Had we won five or six games this year, and you can see, man, we got four freshmen. Yeah, these guys coming back, and maybe a, a guy can come back, come in, that type of player. You can hit the ground running, but it is it is a tougher sell now, you know. And so he is a damn good recruiter. He's proven that. Um, but now, he, I mean, it's gonna he's going to really have to outcoach some people next year to get some wins and get some positivity. So any final words, sir? Uh, no, I just when you said that, uh, it's made me think of that quote. It's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And, uh, you know, that's the, you know, unfortunately, it's college basketball and it's Big Ten and, you know, it's going to be tough. But no, obviously, you want to follow Rope It Up Radio, get all the good content on that station. Um, find us here, Spotify, anywhere you want to find the show, you can pretty much find it now. Um, and just just hope, like you say, the Wolves can stay consistent and come out with good efforts. That's really what I want to see. I don't want to see any 20-point losses. And then, you know, for the Gophers, you finish out the season and, you know, try to make these improvements. Get another win. That'd be nice. Um, and, you know, in Minnesota basketball, you know, with the Timberwolves, you got to think it's on the way up. And let's just hope it's the same for the Gophers. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, next year people laugh, but, NIT should be the goal next year because that gives you more practice, more playing time. I mean, not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is the journey. We know that. But we've seen plenty of good teams, you know, bring back the next layer after making the NIT. In fact, our sweet, you know, or sorry, our Final Four season that never happened was a Sweet 16 run uh, the year before. Anyway, um, yeah, let's, let's see how this goes, man. It'll be really interesting. To see. Oh, by the way, no, we should have probably said this earlier. Next Monday we'll be doing a fight because there's only two games. Uh, we have a game Monday at Atlanta, but that'll be only two games. So we decided next Monday we're going to do a preview for free agency for the Vikings. Then the week after we'll jump back in um, and talk some. And maybe we'll sneak one next Thursday randomly, but I. That's very up in the air. But no matter what, Vikings show free agency preview. We already had one of the dominoes uh, cut today, Kendrick. So we'll, we'll talk a whole lot of Vikings next week, then get back on the Timberwolves. We'll see you next Monday. Peace.